it's been a real highlight for me to come into Simile to understand how fantastic the, the foundations and the fundamentals are of the company. But also, uh, we've been going through a fairly challenging time. And so, you know, how do we reset strategy? How do we reset structure? How do we drive great execution so that Simile delivers against the, the amazing potential that it has? Hello, everybody, and welcome to the NZX Opening Bell podcast. My name is James Sharp from the Origination team at The Exchange. Joining you as ever from our studio at the Capital Market Centre in Auckland. Today, we are very happy to be celebrating the auspicious occasion of the 10th anniversary of Sinlay being listed on NZX. It is a delight to welcome Sinlay CEO Grant Watson this morning. Hi, Grant. Great. Thanks. Uh, thanks for having us, James. And it's a great day today in terms of celebrating the 10 years. Indeed. Great for you to be here. Now, we at The Exchange, I believe we are very privileged to be able to talk to a lot of key individuals, influencers across the market, as well as looking at different sort of sectors. I would say that unambiguously, the dairy industry is the kind of bedrock and foundation of, of New Zealand. So it's great to have this chat with you this morning. Thinking about Sinlay, I think there's a tendency we could get into the kind of history, which I'm sure we'll touch upon. But I was keen to ask you up front, Sinlay, your key mantra, your purpose is doing milk differently. So what does that mean to you, Grant, and how do you apply that to the business? Yeah, look, I, when I think about doing milk differently, it very much comes back to the founding values of the company when it was originally set up, and that was around being disruptive, being highly innovative, being entrepreneurial, and a real focus from the get-go uh, around sustainability. And those values are very, very much alive and well in terms of how we operate the business today. And I mean, that's fantastic to hear. In terms of, um, and we want to get into the kind of the sustainability aspect, I think, in a bit more depth. I'm conscious that many of our listeners, some will have a lot of experience in terms of the primary dairy industry and others will be very new to this. So if you could, what is the Sinlay business model? So how does milk get from the cow to that endpoint, and and what are the, some of the key markets you operate in? Yeah, fantastic. So literally, it starts at the farm gate. We've got uh, about two hundred and eighty farms across both the North Island and South Island. More recently, the North Island. The business was uh, very much founded in the South Island, but we're very much becoming a New Zealand company, having that presence not just from a farming perspective, but also a manufacturing perspective. So we take very, very high quality and very sustainably produced milk from off the farms. And from a manufacturing perspective, our two major manufacturing sites are in Dunsandle, about 30 minutes south of Christchurch, and then uh, Pukino, just over the Bombay Hills uh, up in Auckland. We also have a blending and canning facility uh, out at the airport in Auckland. Uh, we have a research and development centre in Palmerston North, uh, and we have a fantastic team of people up in the China market based in both Shanghai and Beijing. So for us, uh, the best way to think about what we do with that milk uh, to get the best value producing high quality nutrition is we have four different business units. We have an advanced nutrition business, so thinking there about kids' infant formula, and we're in the process of going live with adult nutrition as well. So very much in that nutritional space. Secondly, we have a core ingredients business selling really high quality but more commoditized product like skim milk powder, whole milk powder, uh, and AMF. We then have a consumer business which is primarily Dairy Works, so it's procuring high quality cheese, processing that and selling that throughout the supermarkets of primarily New Zealand 
and Australia. And then we have an emerging business being food service. And when we talk food service, that's food consumed outside of home. So we have developed a very, very high quality functional food service cream designed for chefing use up into the bakeries and the uh, beverage chains in the China market. So those those are the four business units. We employ around about 1,350 staff all up between the course inlay business and the dairy works business. So it's very much end-to-end from the farm gate all the way through to our customers up into the markets. Fantastic. I mean, that's a great overview of the business. You mentioned a couple of times about China being the key market. And again, conscious that um, that might be obvious to some people listening, but others, it may be not so. Why is China so important? Is it just purely because of that scale? Don't they have the ability to produce a milk and milk products in the same way? Why is New Zealand so integral to, to that picture? Look, stating the obvious, the China market is a very large market. And when it comes to the use of dairy, there's a huge amount of growth playing out in favour of dairy, whether that be through urbanisation, westernisation or a growth uh, in the middle class. China is becoming certainly more self-sufficient as a dairy producing nation. But there is a huge amount of value placed on the quality and the provenance of New Zealand dairy. So when we give thought to infant formula, and we're very proud to say that we produce the A2 infant formula product for the A2 milk company, uh, but also think about that food service cream, the high quality ingredients products, there's huge opportunity for us in China. And in fact, when we think about diversified growth, we are under-indexed in terms of our position in China, and there is there is more upside for us to ensure our diversified growth includes upweighting China as a key market. I see you're in the middle of selling Dairy Works. In that context, what does diversified growth mean for Sinlay? Yeah, look, a really, really good question. So if we think about the Dairy Works business, fundamentally, it's a great business. What that business needs is probably 50 to $100 million of investment to take it up to being truly state-of-the-art. So it's performing really well. But actually, where we've got really strong competitive advantages are in the businesses of advanced nutrition and in food service. So as we think about where we might allocate capital moving forward, it's in favour of advanced nutrition and food service. Therefore, the natural owner of Dairy Works isn't Sinlay. If we think about diversified growth, and let me just give you one example. We're literally in the process of onboarding a new multinational customer up at the Porkino site. What that customer gives us is we go from an advanced nutrition from one large customer to two large customers. And at some stage, it will be three and four. It allows us to go from being in dairy to being in dairy and in plant-based. It allows us to go from being uh, primarily in China, Australia and New Zealand, into being in Southeast Asia. Uh, and the last area is, it, is that it allows us from being an infant nutrition to also being an adult nutrition. So there's, a, there's an example just with one customer how we can diversify our growth. And I haven't even touched on the significant opportunities that exist in the food service channel for us. So we've got a very, very clear plan in place to deliver diversified growth, but we are becoming more focused. And just to highlight again, so what what are those differentials in terms of New Zealand producing 
milk and those products versus <clears throat> other, other other nations around the world? What kind of sets New Zealand apart? Why, what makes it so unique and what it offers to those markets? Yeah, look, if you were to look at a product like food service cream, uh, the oceanic taste of New Zealand dairy is a different flavour profile, say, from uh, European dairy. New Zealand is well known for not only high quality, but high food safety. From a surety of supply perspective, we do dairy very, very well. It's a very stable country, if you think more recently around uh, volatile climatic events. New Zealand's food supply is fairly safe in relative terms. Clearly, we've got great trade access up into the market. So there's a range of reasons that positions New Zealand really well as being their preferred source of high-quality dairy product. Maybe coming back to what you mentioned before around sustainability. I mean, it's, um, you know, reading through some of your literature, um, you've got a key emphasis on greenhouse gas reporting, on and off farm emissions action. And I notice as well, moving away from coal in terms of the boiler. Could you explain that? I know it was, um, you were the New Zealand's first electrode boiler. What does, what does that mean? How significant is, is that in terms of the manufacturing process? Yeah, look, that's a really, really significant part of our strategic intention to improve and improve and improve our position as, as it relates to sustainability. So if we just take boiler two and the conversion of that from coal to biomass, that will reduce our manufacturing greenhouse gas manufacturing emissions by 40%. So it's really significant. Uh, equally, we have similar initiatives on farm to reduce greenhouse gas emissions on farm as Sinley, but also working with other industry groups uh, and the government to see how we can collectively innovate to reduce uh, emissions as well. So whether it's biomass uh, and reducing coal or whether it's improving practices and innovating for improvement on farm, it's very much at the centre of everything we do. And I guess that really, I mean, thinking about the prevalence of the industry in New Zealand, I guess it does put you at the kind of vanguard of that kind of climate change conversation and being able to kind of show kind of leadership in that, I think must be quite a fantastic position to be in as well. Yeah. And look, at investing in sustainability is important on a range of fronts, certainly at a commercial sense, whether it's around product premiums or improving uh, our mix of customers. Uh, commercially, that makes sense. If we think about the opportunities to access cheaper capital or free capital in situation, commercially, that makes sense. Mm. But I think more importantly, what it does is it's, uh, it improves the resilience uh, of our business. It improves the resilience of our farmers and their businesses. And most importantly, coming back to the earlier comments, sustainability is very much a part of our DNA and it relates very much to the purpose we have of doing milk differently for a healthier world. Oh, great, great, great stuff. Maybe taking a bit more of a broader view, and again, uh, I put myself in the shoes of our listeners. Many people will kind of know the, the prevalence of dairy in New Zealand and indeed wider agriculture. You know, agriculture being 43% of New Zealand's GDP, uh, 95% of the milk produce, produce is exported. Um, we are the largest uh, exporter of dairy by volume and value here globally, which I think is fantastic for a country of New Zealand size. So that's again, and then in that, in that, that sort of context, in terms of sustainability and, and other wider kind of themes, I mean, how have those kind of things changed over time? What are the other kind of key trends you're seeing across the industry? And uh, how do you see Sinlay 
positioned for those? Yeah, look, we're, we're extremely well positioned uh, in terms of meeting the needs of of the markets that we service uh, around the world, that meeting the needs of our consumers. If we think through the economic model that we've developed, it's around high quality nutrition. Economically, it's these are high value add products that we're producing. And just to give you one example, the Dunn Sandal site is the largest manufacturer of infant formula as a site in the Southern Hemisphere. So the obvious comment there would be, well, jeepers, birth rates are in decline, aren't they? And, and we are seeing a decline in birth rates, albeit there are still great opportunities to grow. And we see that coming through in the strategy from the A2 Milk Company, their ambitions in China as an example to effectively double their market share over time. So, uh, but equally, as we look to onboard our new customer at the Porkino site, that's all about adult nutrition, which uh, has huge growth opportunities uh, for obvious reasons. So uh, the importance of nutrition, uh, critical, the importance of high value add, especially as we see a decline in milk volumes globally over time, that's critical. No, again, great. And, and you know, you mentioned about um, adult nutrition. So maybe there's a question there about the kind of future of the consumer and the future of demand and, and if i may ask you in terms of what other kind of key opportunities do you see i maybe even expanding upon that adult nutrition why has that become more prevalent now than it has been before yeah and i i think the the key components there speak to an aging population uh, a demographic financially that is well positioned to invest in having healthy aging active living and nutrition is such a key part to enabling that. So, you know, if you look roughly speaking today, infant nutrition <laughs> sitting at about $32 billion, give or take, adult nutrition's in the mid-20s, and it's it's only just started. So, so massive, massive opportunities coming through there for us to tap into uh, and, and be a part of. And, and again, just to I try and remind myself, uh, maybe very obviously, but in terms of the, the nutritional value of dairy products i think we talk about lactoferrin it, it sounds like kind of gold stuff i was reading a bit about it last night could you maybe give us a very brief overview of the importance of lactoferrin and what it means within the kind of nutritional framework the functional benefits of lactoferrin especially for a newborn are, are quite compelling so it's it's all about strengthening immunity for an infant we produce Roughly 35 metric tons of lactoferrin per year. That doesn't sound like a lot of lactoferrin. There's a huge amount of intellectual property and, and know-how to uh, to produce that lactoferrin. So these specialised nutritional ingredients are a really important part of uh, of our business model. The demand for those products continues to increase and increase and increase. So very, very much a part of our strategic plan. If we may pivot slightly, I, I was keen to find out a bit more of your own journey, Grant. I think you've been in the in industry many years now. We've talked about the kind of changing consumer or, and wider environment around dairy. What have been some of your key highlights in your career today? And, and, and indeed, if I may ask, actually, did you ever envisage yourself being uh, the chief executive of a major dairy producer in New Zealand? Was that always your goal? Yeah, look, my entry into the dairy industry in, in some ways happened as a little bit of a mistake in that I was asked originally to join Fonterra to help turn around the anchor, anchor milk business in New Zealand, which I uh, agreed to more on a short, short-term basis. That then 
led on to me running the Tip Top Ice Cream Company, which was a fantastic part of my journey. And then for five years, headed up one of the three global divisions at Fonterra being Global Food Service. And during that time, we took that business from circa 1.4 billion to 2.8 billion. So really, really neat part of, of the journey. I spent some time at Miraka, which is a beautiful Fano-owned dairy company in the central North Island, just uh, just outside of Taupo, and then was invited into Sinlay to help turn the business around uh, and reset the strategic direction of of Sinlay. So certainly, from a highlights perspective, that journey and global food service with Fonterra was fantastic. But I have to say, it's been a real highlight for me to come into Sinlay to understand how fantastic the the foundations and the fundamentals are of the company. But also, uh, we've been going through a fairly challenging time. And so, you know, how do we reset strategy? How do we reset structure? How do we drive great execution so that Sinlay delivers against the, the amazing potential that it has? And, and within, within that context, I mean, what are some of those key lessons you've learned over the years that you're able to apply today in terms of, I mean, it sounds like a really uh, a diverse and you know, deep experience within the industry to date. Yeah, look, I think there's a, there's a few for me. F- firstly, have a strategy that is really easy to articulate. Uh, it, it needs to be more in the form of a story rather than a whole lot of PowerPoints. So making sure stakeholders across the entire organization understand the direction of travel. Secondly, stay the course, that real temptation uh, to chase after the new and shiny opportunities Stay the course. Number three, be really, really clear on where competitive advantage comes from. Uh, Knowing what you're good at is important, but understanding where you gain competitive advantage. And I think the last one for for me in terms of framing up the overall operation of a a dairy company uh, is is driving hard after the key executional enablers that will, will make the biggest difference. So Some really big key themes there. Look, another learning for me would be around making people choices and making them quickly. So that that would be another learning or reflection for me along the way. Great. I mean, I I think it's fair to say that, um, again, back to our position as the exchange, um, we always approach conversations with the likes of yourself with a degree of humility because we haven't sat in your shoes. And I think it's a fantastic insight in terms of um, yeah, how you operate and apply those experiences and, and a great motivation, I think, I'm sure for a lot of people listening who have aspirations and ambitions to um, to lead businesses of the future. Thanks for all your thoughts today, Grant. Um, it's been a real fantastic uh, deep dive into the business and indeed the, uh, the industry. Finishing on a slightly more uh, kind of lighter note, so to speak, some quick fire questions for you, Grant. What's your favourite book or podcast? And you don't have to say this one. My favorite book currently is a book called The Essentialist. I won't say too much about it, but it is an essential read. It is a fantastic read. Right, that's written down. I'll go and have a look at that. Fantastic. Um, you talked about your, you know, the learnings you've applied already to the business today. What's the best piece of advice that you've received? I think the best piece of advice I've received is that it's the setbacks in life that build character not the successes, and it's character that is the key to success. And that was my father just before he passed away 30 years ago. That's absolutely great. Um, And then lastly, and and to the extent you kind of touched upon your learnings, but if someone's listening, they've got aspirations to be kind of, you know, into executive senior management, leading businesses, what's the best piece of advice you would give someone who has those kind of ambitions? 
I think the the key there is to be ambitious. N- know that whatever you think you can achieve, you can probably achieve more. And then it's engaging with people that can help you along the way. So whether it's understanding how to get more breadth in your career so that you can go higher or to get good advice or good coaching to know that maybe someone's got your back and can can help you along the way. But be more ambitious rather than less and then be curious as to how you can get there. Grant, I think we'll leave it there. Again, fantastic. Thank you so much for coming into the studio this morning and I'm sure we'll um, speak to you again in the not too distant future. Absolute pleasure. Thanks, James. The information provided in this podcast is a guide and is intended for general information purposes only. The information is not investment advice. The information should not be relied upon as a substitute for detailed advice from a professional advisor. The podcast may contain opinions or forward-looking statements and actual results may vary from what is expressed in this podcast. The views expressed in this podcast are those of the presenter or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views of NZX. NZX Limited is not liable for any loss suffered through relying on the information in this podcast. NZX makes no warranties as to the accuracy or completeness of the information in this podcast. All intellectual property rights in the content of this podcast are owned or used under license by NZX, and NZX's written consent is required to use, redistribute, or reproduce the content, or use it to create other works.